0: This is Danielle Krissa from The Jealous Curator and this is episode 204 of Art for Your Ear. Today's episode is titled Don't Lose the Joy because my guest is an expert at seeking it out. (laughs) American artist Anthony Sonnenberg makes, well, a whole bunch of stuff. I found him because of his drippy sort of icing-like ceramics and more recently his super fabulous sculptures that you can wear. Okay, they're rings and necklaces, but oh my word, they are art. Okay, so if you're a long-time listener of this podcast, you'll know I have major issues with making phone calls. Yeah, it is a full-on phone phobia, for real. I don't even like calling to order pizza. So, cold-calling artists who I admire but don't know is terrifying. Well, today is one of those days. I've followed Anthony for quite a long time, but we've never spoken, and the first time we sent each other a DM was to book this interview. So, deep breath, don't be shy, I'm sure he's delightful. Ready? Calling Anthony in Arkansas. Hi Anthony, welcome to
1: Art for Your Ear oh, hey, welcome I'm glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is my first ever podcast, so I, I really Yeah, never been on a podcast before, so you're 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 breaking the seal. Wow, like,
0: that's exciting. Well, you know i I have to be totally honest. I feel a little bit shy because usually when I have people on, I know them a little bit, like we have like a little internet relationship or whatever. but I have just been um following you. Oh, why does it say your sound is off?
1: I'm just muting because my neighbor is mowing. (laughs) Oh, okay. I was like, you're not recording.
0: Okay, good, good, good. Mowing neighbor. I love it. Okay. So, yeah, I was just going to say, I feel a little bit shy because we don't actually know each other at all. I'm just a fan and I just follow you on Instagram. And I love all of your work. And recently, I've seen your crazy jewelry. And I was like, okay, he's just getting more and more fun. I clearly have to get him on the podcast. (laughs) So the way that I do this is I always start from the beginning, from when you were a little kid and we work up till right now. So um, where did you grow up? And were you kind of always making things from the get-go?
1: So I grew up in a a really small town in North Texas called uh, Graham and um I was born in nineteen eighty six so I kind of grew up there in the nineties and then uh yes, I was always making things, so we lived in a small town, and then we also lived out in the country so and both my parents worked, and my dad was a dentist, and my mom was a hygienist um, mm-hmm. and so we were kind of latchkey kids, but not like we had a neighbor we 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 were just around the house and so I think I was always making things to kind of keep myself busy and keep myself occupied and we, we lived out in the country so there was tons of room to roam around and do all that kind of stuff and then um but sometimes I would um like my dad because he owned this dentist office had this room in the back where he would make dentures or whatever kind of tea stuff and so he had all this red wax that they used in some part of the process and so I would always be making things out of wax like frogs <laughs> and trying to make little fountains and making like they had balloons like a helium balloon dispenser so I was always trying to make like a hot air balloon that would like float but I could never get it to float it would always just like go up to the ceiling <laughs> um so yeah my but, and, cool. he, and he was cool with you doing all that
0: or did uh, he know that you were doing all that
1: <laughs> he it was a bit of both apparently the wax was expensive so he was always like you're using all my wax and it's so expensive and blah, blah 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 but I mean they never were like you can't I mean I think they were just like but on the other hand it keeps him busy and out of our hair so right um, so <laughs> like, uh, I guess they found a balance on that um and yeah my and then me and my dad garden a lot and so I think that's that's the thing something I always am talking about my artist talks about like how we kind of bonded, but also flowers were kind of always a part of it forever. And then, so that's when I was a little kid. And then when I got up into like grade school and stuff like that, because the town was so small. I mean, we had art, product, like art in the schools, but it was very kind of rudimentary. Like, make this out of paper mache. Like, right, right. And and I and I always, I guess, like had a really high standard. And um, and I don't know if I had like known anything about her history at this point, but there was a woman who taught classes out of this back room of her house, and she self taught herself, and she only taught pastels. So there was a period, probably of five or six years, from like middle school up into like almost high school, where I was just making. And she had um she had a big box of magazines. And it would be like Southern Home Cooking and Active (laughs) Geographic and just like those kind of things. Uh, And she would be like, go find a picture. So you'd go and you'd look through the magazines and you'd like cut out a picture and then you would just copy that. So that was kind of like my early art education. And then then I got into high school and started kind of like doing stuff for myself and and getting into art history and like wondering like who was Andy Warhol? And and I think that's probably the first time I I would just get Jansen's art history book and I would, it's like flip through it and then just kind of like i don't know get familiar with it even yeah if I yeah didn't really understand it and i but this this is all art history so i didn't have any contemporary art experience really at all it did not i had never been to a like contemporary gallery i had been to museums before um so my parents were really you know, lucky like, well were very nice and took me to art museums and stuff <laughs> like that um were there other kids
0: that were sort of artsy kids too or, or was this kind of your own? thing
1: it really felt like it was my own thing like maybe there were i was really the only one in my grade who was interested and and funny enough there have other artists have come out of the town but i don't know maybe i didn't know they were artists at the time or they who knows what so Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um so yeah that was kind of like my thing um so i didn't really belong to a group there but i kind of fell into like band and drama because they were art adjacent so right so <laughs> I kind of went in there and, and was all right at those things but um once I got to college and then like saw that there was a you know a whole world that I could belong to then I, yeah I haven't <laughs> I haven't tried at the stage or, or picked up an instrument since <laughs> and, and so did so. you go to art
0: school or did you go to do a general arts degree or what did you do um
1: it's a funny story so I was I graduated high school back in 2005 and it was just right um, in Texas they had a thing called the 10% rule so if you were in the top 10% of your class you could go automatically to you were automatically accepted to any of the state colleges you want to go to so I was just kind of really barely in the top 10 and so I got my first choice which was UT uh, University of Texas at Austin um, I had been trying to figure out, I remember when I, when I like, senior and junior year, there was a, a long, a lot of, like, discussion in my head and with my parents about, like, what I was going to do, because nobody in my family or in the town that we really knew of, maybe one or two people or something, but not really, were making a living as an artist, and mm. so that didn't seem like it was an option for me, so, or or not one that, like, I guess I thought my parents would accept, so I remember, I thought for a while we'd be a landscape architect because I was like, oh, it involves plants and I can do these plannings. And I guess it's kind of artistic because you can you know, make this, you know. But it was more, but I kind of, I went and I like, went to an architecture school uh, and saw what they were doing and, vis- and like did a job shadow for a landscape architect. And it just didn't sound in the end like it was anything that I wanted to do. Um, and so I had this, English teacher, I think, is an English teacher or, or liberal arts teacher, and she was like, um, you know, you're always talking about art, and I don't know why you're thinking about this garden architecture, garden architecture. You should just do art history because you're always talking about. And I, I was always doing my history, and, and art history always has been a big interest of in mine. And I was like, oh, that's it, because you know that sounds <laughs> much more official than getting an <laughs> arts degree. So. So I went to school with kind of the understanding that I would do art history or maybe um, double major. So I took a lot of art history classes. I started taking like a foreign language. Um, and then I was taking all these um, art classes at the same time, which I was really, really liking. Uh, and then um, the real kicker of it was is they go, okay, well now you're gonna have to start getting into these upper level art history, pr- like classes and those are going to have papers that are like 10 to 15 pages long and i was just like it's never going to happen. <laughs> see you later where is the door it's nice to know you i can you know it's just let's just be honest here people it's not going to happen yeah I, you know and um and then on the other side of that when i was in like my art classes you know i had a really good knowledge by then of kind of like art history and so i was doing really good in my art history classes Um, but, uh, I was just feeling super alienated when it started coming about talking about contemporary art and knowing contemporary Mm. artists and all this kind of stuff. And it was, I don't know. I mean, I still feel like there is a bit of this feeling of like a cool art crowd click, you know, and they're like, yeah, all the latest things and they're up on all the, you know, the latest stuff. And (laughs) I can't say I'm still that person, but uh still not that person but um anyway so i just was it was there's it was kind of a challenge getting in there and figuring out how i was going to fit in but it was a challenge that i guess i was just really excited about because i never really looked back and then um and then somewhere down the line i yeah after the papers i just said you know mom and dad i'm just doing i'm just doing this art thing <laughs> and they were and they were understandable and i think they kind of knew you know, it was only a matter of time after a certain, you know.
0: Yeah, they, they knew you were the kid with the wax.
1: They, yeah, You know, the yeah, wax, sometimes the writing it, is wax. on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my mom's favorite story is that like one time I made a snake cage because we lived out in the country and I found a little bitty garden snake and I made this elaborate snake cage for it and then ran to her three hours later and was like, the snake is out of the cage. Because <laughs> 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 I didn't, you know, it, it figured, I left a couple holes because I was like sure. five or or something, you know. <laughs>
0: Them. Oh my god, that's my nightmare. I have major issues <laughs> with snakes. Um, it was probably a very beautiful cage, but maybe just not structurally sound. Is that the problem?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it was a little bit, I think it was a case of form over function. You know, <laughs> maybe I'm still pretty guilty of. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, speaking of which, so in when
0: you were doing more of the art classes, um, did you get to do ceramics and stuff like that at school or mm-hmm. did that come later? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so that, uh, so I had touched clay in high school, but didn't understand anything about it. It just was like, here's this stuff, and you can put glaze on it, and it'll fire, and I was like, oh, that's really cool, Um, but I, you know, I think there's a lot, (laughs) there's a lot of, even though I, I haven't really worked with wax since that time, I mean, I think it's just they're 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 really like cousins because it's all about like it's pliable when it becomes hard and it depends on like time and more you know and all these kind of things and so um so that but when i got into college and I got through the like beginning introduction classes I knew that I really liked sculpture and then I got into ceramics and really took off like a bird to water to that mm. um, so I knew I liked clay and I knew I liked ceramics and I and I knew I liked all this art history and I think it's around like junior and senior year that I start saying like I'm not gonna be the one who's like the contemporary art darling. I'm gonna be the one who looks back and requotes. I had found other artists by this time who were doing it. So I was looking at like Petacoin and a lot of people at this gallery called Gallery Long. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So I was looking at Petacoin and Bernini a lot and learning about Bernini and learning about the context of the Baroque and kind of seeing parallels and figuring, you know, really feeling good about that. Um, I, it was also a time when that unmonumental show had just come out, and that was a huge. Like all the grad students were obsessed with this show, and um, I mean, there's still some artists that I like in there, and their names are all, of course, right out of my head. Yeah, but, that's how uh, it works. As soon as you hit the record, yeah, button. yep. Right. yep. <laughs> and I, and you know, it, I guess it was just a lot about like um, kind of DIY aesthetics. Um, low grade materials, kind of seemingly sometimes low grade craft, but then also like with Tom Sachs, I think he was in it and there's, you know, now I look back at those and I'm like, oh, there's a ton of craft going on in there. And I, and I just knew that I was gonna be kind of the antithesis of that. And so I think also during that time, and I don't really talk about it a lot, but I, I guess I kind of fancied myself a little bit of like a a weird punk in a way because like, I don't but it was almost like like the punk kids were popular because it was art school, and I knew I wasn't going to be the punk kid, so I was going to be punk out punk them by being super into art history and the Baroque, and like, <laughs> you know, and like really just like be a Taurus and be stubborn about it and like dig my heels in, um, and so yeah, I guess that period is just really kind of where I'm like, ooh, I like all these things, and then you know, I guess everybody kind of goes through this, and I when I teach, I see students doing this, then you start going, okay, well, why do I like these things? Mm -hmm. Right. So
0: were you, were you going through that on your own or did you have a teacher that was sort of encouraging you to delve into this or was this just sort of a personal, you know, journey?
1: Uh yeah, by this time I had kind of really gravitated around two prof- two professors. I mean, I was I was just taking, I had done this thing where they were like, if you want to be a, a BFA, you've got to take all these different classes, but you can do a BA and get out of that structure and just take the classes you want, and you have to take, I don't know, an extra math class or a science class mm. or whatever. I said, I'll do that. So I was just taking ceramic and sculpture classes and kind of mixing them a lot and using the same um project for both the kind of classes. Right, right, you know, yeah. The uh, and Jack Stoney was, he he really influenced me a lot because um, he had this way of like not letting the, and this is the way I critique now about not letting the artists speak first in a critique about trying to get the class to see where they could get to and say like, and you know, what's going on here? And if we would like get stumped, he'd be like, you, you you, know, it's there, keep going. And so we would like, as a class kind of figure out and then, you know, start to, to learn about the different reads of things and how it could be read and, and you know.
0: Hmm,
1: I love that. So I think that, and Jack was also a, a very, like he makes these works that are were, John Stone, I can't remember. Anyways, uh he, he lives in still works at UT, but also lives in New York. And I think he shows at gallery. Oh, anyway, again out of my head. Uh, but <laughs> he was also making these really detailed things. So I guess that really set my mind a super kind of like the the artwork can be read. It can be you know, it it's here to communicate and it's doing these things and, and it's not just in the ether. You can sit down and piece it together. And so I guess I kind of like that formula of like, you know, give the breadcrumbs for the person and you can, you can be very, you know, negotiable about how many breadcrumbs you're giving and what those breadcrumbs look like and how they, what forms they come in. But, you know, you still have this kind of responsibility of we should be able to read this and get somewhere. Right. So I think that, has a lot of how I think about making work and kind of stuff going on there and and where certain standards for me kind of got set in. Like I knew I really liked craft and labor and really freely dilly like detailed things. And I was kind of learning at the same time that I liked a contrast between surface and underneath. Um, and I was learning a lot also. So I guess the third part that was coming in is I still taking these art history classes. And I was, there's this one professor who taught Roman art history, which is all kind of like more of a Roman architecture class, but just the way that she really kind of clearly delineated the Romans about kind of art and power and, you know, and the connection between those two and this idea of like, you know, you you build a bath and you make it beautiful and you you do it to help the people, but you also do it so that the the people know your name and then Uh. they'll vote for you and just, So just seeing that, like, again, I guess that's where I kind of started, you know, and seeing, you know, parallels between that and our own politics or, you know, whatever else. And just so kind of, I guess... Learning to be like, oh, here's the surface, here's the surface function, but actually, if I look behind it, and this is the benefit of being into history, because you got hindsight of 2020, you know, I can see all these other machinations going on. Uh And so, I think like that kind of formula and that kind of thinking is like still very much part of the work. Um, And then just learning a lot about, you know, taking Baroque art classes, um, kind of later into grad school and stuff like that. helps a minute so yeah I got out and I, I I think I was lucky in that um my class that I got out with is like a much larger percentage than is normal from my perspective are doing really well and are great artists wow. like uh, almost all the people I mean not everyone but the majority of the people I went to school with are either still practicing and is doing fine or are getting very famous. Wow. So, um, so I think, you know, there was a lot of people and material around and teachers to help me kind of really sharpen my my, my, my knife at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, did
0: you take a break be- um, before grad school or did you go straight to grad school?
1: Uh, I pretty much went straight to grad school because I didn't know I could take a break. <laughs> I uh I had work I I I took a year off and I had my my first solo show at a place called Colab and 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 right after grad school was when all the golden flower work started coming about because I lost access to kilns and I still wanted to make flowers and so I found that metal just wandering around Hobby Lobby and then just got it and was like oh I can make a flower out of this and then I taught myself soldering. And then, you know, 10 years later now, I'm in, so that's really kind of the root of the jewelry. Um, soldering is hard, show. but we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so uh, where did you go to grad school? Well, so again, nobody, nobody, nobody in my family knew what was going on about it. And they had said, well, everyone was telling them and me that other people in grad school said, you gotta go right away or you'll never do it. And you know oh, yeah. you do it because you have to go because we need you to be a teacher because that makes life sense. So, and I, I didn't really know. And I, I just was kind of thinking, well, I wanna go to a, I, I had heard that like, oh, you know, um, you gotta be careful where you go because like some schools, ceramics and sculpture will be separated. And at that point they needed to go together in my mind. Um, and so, I had a number of schools, like I went and visited Cal Arts, and I was like, this is not me at all. Um, and, I, and I went, I kind of went to like the two ends of the, I visited the two ends of the spectrum for grad schools. I went to SCAD in Savannah, which uh-huh. is 100% kind of like, we're training you to get a job in design or animation or something like that. And then I went to Cal Arts, which was like, you know, I don't know, the sky is the limit, just yeah. get weird with it, you know, and that kind of stuff. And I was like, neither one of these is for me. And then uh, an artist who's still a friend of mine, uh, Margaret Meehan, who's oh, probably, I just wrote about yeah. her the other day. Yeah, super, you know, super talented. And so yeah. around this time, we did. She didn't ever taught me because I left right before she got there. She taught as an fill an adjunct at UT, and everybody's like, "Oh, she's so good. She's this great artist." And and she went to a place called University of Washington, and I was like, so I started looking at University of Washington because of her. And uh, oh my gosh. so then I applied, I got all the references from my teachers and I had all this list and then I had a solo show at the same time. And I just completely blew off all the applications to get this solo show done. And then UW was two weeks later than everybody else. So I got my application in <sighs> UW so I could so I could tell everybody in my mind, I was like, oh, well this way I, can, I, I don't have to say, I just didn't get my applications done. <laughs> I can just say that I applied but got rejected. So I'm gonna try again <laughs> next year and then they accepted me so I went <laughs> they was just like okay so I'll go I didn't ask about money I didn't ask about anything I, I didn't know now I mean you know the grads you know scheme their whole lives about which one they're going to go to and how they're going to play one off from another and you know there's all this strategy and all these like oh blah, 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 blah. I just had no idea and <laughs> so anyways it was really good for me because I entered without a lot of expectations which I think is kind of a a really good Thing to enter into with grad school, yeah,
0: yeah, <clears throat> and I guess you could you could keep your ceramics and sculpture together there.
1: Yeah, and I, that was the one thing I knew about them. I, well, I liked the work that the professors were making, and I and I guess I liked what was coming. It, it seemed like I could understand what was coming out of their program more, and and I knew that yes, that that ceramics and sculpture, and I guess this is still kind of unique about them or one because before I'd gotten there, this is 2008, 2009, financial crisis, oh, right. um, and they, the school got really hard. <laughs> ceramics had always been really strong and really well known, and sculpture was just kind of this, like, off, you know, wasn't, wasn't doing great, and they had a choice of get cut or, or go into ceramics, and so they went into ceramics.
0: Uh-huh. Um
1: and anyway, so so they were kind of one department, there was no wall in the m- anyway, so it, it made it really easy, and yeah, anyways, and so then I was in Seattle, <laughs> yeah, so
0: what was that like um was that a, like did it feel did it feel good to be there, or was it like, "Whoa, this is so different, or
1: I, I guess you were probably had- in a ceramic had-
0: studio most of the time, anyway,
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember I had a panic attack when I first got in there that when I started kind of figuring out more about like what the situation was and people were being like oh you know didn't you think about this and then you think about xiv and I was like I didn't know that it, you know you know and I, I just didn't know so much of it. and I was like oh my god did I really mess up and like should I have tried to get a better school or something and then of course I mean I, I think it was exactly what I need I don't know you know I just went in there and I, I think I've always been pretty good about working with the pieces that are given to me I mean I can complain yeah. about them a lot and get depressed about it but so I just was like okay here's what I have and then I just went off to like trying to use it um and uh I, you know I had the great Akio Takamori and that was I was one of his last students of his before he retired and then really quickly right after so sadly died <laughs> oh um, yeah it was really sad because he he was by far the most famous and active person working there at the time and they were all pretty well known but Akio was really above and then he retired and everyone was like good for him now he can finally just go be this rock star artist and I think it was a year later he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and then oh my gosh right after so um so anyways, I th- that was one thing looking back that I feel really lucky about that I was there with him and got to be there in that last kind of little moment. Mm-hmm. Although he wasn't there that much, he was already kind <laughs> of checked out, which now as a person who's teaching, I'm like, oh, I get it. It totally, there's yeah. <laughs> a lot going on in your studio. Like, um,
0: Did you keep um, doing art history classes during your MFA? Your yeah, LFA? so th-
1: this is a time where I really got to do some more um, specific, um. The, the professor's name was Estelle Longo and she was a very luckily and I think she's not even there anymore because she's probably moved on to write other papers and do other things um, and I don't remember if she was getting her PhD you know what, I think she must have been getting her PhD at the time there and was teaching classes I think mm. anyways she was specifically into Baroque sculpture and you know and so she really helped fill in a lot of to know like the, the holes in my, in my, in my knowledge and kind of logic about it. And really, so she taught me about like, um, not just Bernini, but what else was going on in the Baroque. And I, I understood for the first time about, you know, um, the Karachis and how they started the Baroque and, and just the story of it and how it's this kind of merging of the two styles and then understanding better, the cardinals, and the politics, and the money, and, and how it was working more with the counter-reformation, and, and how, you know, there's a lot of art in the Baroque about miracles, and that kind of stuff, and that's and that, again, is a very direct, you know, kind of opposition to the, um, to the counter-reformation, because they were saying things like, I guess the way that I would summarize it in my head is, Look at all this magic crazy stuff that's happening in the world this these nuns are walking up walls and all these miracles are happening and you Need the church to be in between you and them. It's too much to be directly (laughs) You know, you need we are the circuit breaker, right? You have to have us and so that kind of thing about underlying It's like, you know, so I love all that stuff too. Yeah. Yeah, like Mm -hmm. I guess what I, and it's like, I always am talking about Antiques Russia too and maybe <laughs> I like them for the same reason about like there is all this wishy-washy stuff about miracles and glitz and glam and, and how do you capture somebody's attention completely and how do you, you know, how do you, capture a miracle you know how you know so there's all these kind of questions going on and then there's also how do you keep this powerful pope happy how do you toe the line how do you you know like how do you how do you do all this other stuff that's going on and like um and yeah so that that was all a lot of stuff that i was thinking in there she must um, have been so happy to meet you somebody who was just like tell me more stuff <laughs> yeah I, I hope so I, I mean maybe it started with excitement and then she was like oh this guy again more questions about <laughs> um yes um so that was really good and i i think that helped fill in a lot of things and it was kind of maybe the first time that i had really uh well one thing that actually happened underground is i went to a place called oxbow uh back when it was good and it um that was the first time i'd ever been around a real artist and and so around junior year that was the thing that also switched for me as i saw people who were like no we're making art and this is our life and we're fine with it. And everybody else here is doing the same thing. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm not just making these things for a grade. I'm making them for my life. And that that was, a, you know, that also, I think, is the other thing that kind of kicked. And so I think also this is where I started, like, understanding how the life was possible and learning about it, you know, and, like, seeing mm-hmm. artists doing things and being like, I guess I can maybe do that. I'm not still sure what the steps are to get there. But um, I I just got to know more working artists and, and, and then also, you know, focusing on making my own, my own stuff. And, uh, it was a two year program and I, I think that worked good for me again because I was like, I'm here, it's two years. I'm going to make, <laughs> I'm always good at like making stuff. Um, Did it go by fast for you God, or did it's it? Already, it's it's surprising because it's almost already 10 years ago, which yeah. is hard to believe. But, um, Looking back, I guess it seems fast. I think at the time, it seemed really s- times it's slow. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, there's a lot of stress and stuff involved. And, right. Um,
0: did your work change very much during those two years from your undergrad to, or did it just continue to develop? Was there any big shift or no? Because some people say that MFAs really meh- mess them up in that it <clears throat> gets so conceptual that what you were doing before kind of, you know, takes a left turn and then you find it again after you graduate your MFA? And other people sort of have their aha moments during MFAs where they really go the next spot.
1: Uh, I think, like I said, I'm really stubborn. So <laughs> I I think it was more of a continuation. I think what it was for me is like I was, that was a period where I was really throwing a lot of stuff against the wall and trying to mm-hmm. try as much as I could. Um. And then after grad school was kind of a, so it was a big kind of expansion and just like, I'm gonna try everything. So I was doing painting on fabric. That's when the fabric pieces started. That's when I started really trying to make the golden flowers into big considered sculptures and figure how do they connect to the ceramics. Um, I had been making the individual dip flowers for the longest time and that's how I was doing ceramics. And then right at the end of grad school is when I started making full ceramic sculptures with the slip dip method. Mm -hmm. So I found out that during that time. trying glass, trying, uh, learning about photography for the first time, wondering about learning about performance and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I, uh, and then just also trying to step up the aesthetic of everything and make it really intense and, and, you know, and, and excessive and trying to figure out how to do that. Um, so yeah, so I think there was a lot of, there was a lot more of that kind of stuff going on of just like, busting out. And then I guess after grad school was kind of a pulling back in and being like, okay, what's going to stick? And right. how will it stick?
0: So is that, part, like, is that partly because of just knowing that you need to pull it in? Or is it also because you don't have the studio,
1: like you don't have access don't have to have all that? Studio. Right. You yeah. Studio, you don't have the time, you don't have the money. Right. Um, and so it, it got kind of shrunk back in. And actually it's after grad school that I started really kind of starting to think about jewelry in a real way Uh because I had a table by my window in my little I had a two-room apartment and I had a table and that was my studio for a couple of years after that and so it was kind of like either I could bed borrow steel sometimes to other people's studios and make a ceramic piece here or there I was working for an artist after grad school named Jeffrey Mitchell who's still one of my really really good friends and um (laughs) he'd let me fire things sometimes um but like the jewelry and stuff I was like oh I I I I was getting um slag from the casting foundry at the school and then just like cleaning them up and making and and adding the jewels and stuff there um but yeah it was just something that I could do in my at a table in my you know yeah Did, did you stay in Seattle I stayed for a couple more years and then it just got too expensive. <laughs> yeah. It was really kind of too expensive for me while I was there. And then I did a bunch of uh, residencies. I, I did one at Pilger Glass School and learned about glass. And then I did one at the Archie Bray. Yeah. And then went immediately back into one in upstate New York. Um, and those were weird, challenging times because I just was like out of school, broke not really having any traction yet with selling work or getting galleries or anything, <sighs> did not know what was going on. You know, what was going to happen next, but. Were um, you I thinking faith. that you
0: would teach at that stage or was that not on your mind at that, at that point? Cause you could with an, with an MFA.
1: I guess not. <laughs> well, no, it was, I just felt like I didn't, have what it took to taught i don't know yeah yeah yeah. i I talked to a few
0: people that have said that that they said they just didn't feel um like beverly fishman who went on to teach at cranbrook for 26 years she i had her on a few weeks ago and she said she didn't feel ready she said i didn't feel like i had experienced enough to be able to teach other people i felt like i had to go and work and do stuff before i was ready to teach
1: other people it was partly that it was if I'm being open and vulnerable, I, I, I've never really been good at a job besides my own studio, like, I, mm-hmm. I've been all right, I, I, I'm a decent teacher, but I'm, I'm not one of the best, you know, uh, and so I just, I don't know, I guess I just felt like, oh, that's for go-getter who have hustle, and I, I, I only, I don't know if I can go do that, so, but I mean, eventually, I, I guess, um, and, and also it was just was like super competitive to kind of get a
0: yeah. teaching job. Yeah. Yes. Because it was
1: so expensive and it just was like, everybody was desperate to get these teaching jobs. And so, um, so yeah, at the time I just didn't, I just, I don't know why. It just, it just felt out of reach for me for several reasons. Um, so I did all these residencies and made a lot of work and then I came back and then moved in with my parents and had a very low dark time <laughs> around, 2014 2015 where I just I worked at a subway I didn't I just 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 did not know what was going to happen or where I was going had I made a huge mistake had you know and and again like I said you know I, I had I knew I had good art I could tell I, I had a faith about that and and I couldn't understand why nobody else saw it and I just you know and I, I'm sure there's a lot of people that feel that way and then and then I applied to a place called Landell Art Center in Houston Texas and I got of my first solo show in Texas and that show was a hit and I moved to Houston and then from then on it's been kind of uphill you know oh like, my whatever, gosh like that. so so that yeah and and so I guess had that low period, got the solo show together, had been talking to a gallery years ago that was called Art Palace, that it's not around anymore. He came and saw the show and was like, I, yeah, I wanna represent you and I, I'm gonna help you sell all this work. We like sold a lot of the work. Wow. So I had money finally again and I could move and... Um, and then when I got to Houston, that's kind of when I start feeling like I was like, okay, I'm an artist and, and my wheels are hitting the ground and <laughs> things are going. And then uh and then just working there, got a residency at the Lawndale Arts Center. So I had a place to work and 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 then somebody was like, you know, there's this community college up out, outside of town. Somebody dropped off last minute, you know, that's a classic story, and they want you to fill in, so I got a job. And so things really started kind of working for me then. Um, and then uh, a lot of my friends showed at this gallery called Conduit. And so oh, I yeah. sent them an email because I didn't know anything about Dallas. I had had experience in San Antonio. I had lived in Houston, so I knew what that was about. And I grew up in Graham, which is the closest major city to it is Dallas, but I knew nothing about the art scene. So one of my things is I, when I got back to Texas since my wheels started spinning, I was like, I'm determined to get to know more about Dallas. A lot of my people who I knew and respected like Margaret showed there and this guy named Jewel Books Jones showed there. And so I said, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to try and chat them up, I guess. And so I wrote them an email and just said, Hey, I, you know, I know all these people that show with you. And I just wanted to drop in and say hi and just introduce myself. And here's, here's, um, here's a link to my work. And I kind of sent it maybe a couple of days before I was going to go in to see them. And they, <laughs> They didn't open it for a couple days and they didn't get back to me and i was just like oh, okay well I, I tried so then i went to the gallery anyways to go see the show that they had up was it jules's show might have been anyway <laughs> by sheer luck i walked into the gallery right as danette was opening the email i had sent her and and was looking at the images and i had self-portraits and you know photographs in the work and so she goes and she she saw me in the gallery she goes oh this is you you know and then so we got a, a, a conversation started and they were like yeah you just really really love this work and um yeah let's have a little like a little private gallery show and I was just like oh my god this is oh you know this is this is, a, this is like a kind of a fairy tale time for me and I was like oh my god yes of course you know wow, that's so amazing and then I and she was like but let me show it to Nancy so it's kind of a really Like a two person operation, like Nancy's the owner, and Danette is like her right hand person, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she showed it to Nancy, and then I was at a museum uh, in Dallas, and they called me and they were like, We don't want to just give you a show, we want to represent you. Oh um, my, oh, okay. <laughs> so it has never happened that easy before. I was like, This is how it's always, g-. I mean, I thought yeah. <laughs> maybe this is how it's always going to be, and it, it has not. You know, it's a much longer, drawn-out process usually. <laughs> so, anyways, and so I'm, I'm still with them, and they're they're you know love them. Um, somebody said, you know, you just need one gallery that I guess believes in you, and I, I do feel that with them, and it's just great because I mean I, I've been working with them I guess about five or six years now, and they, I don't know, it just what, nice what was the work that what was the work that you sent them. <sighs> <laughs> I must have just sent them a link to my website. Right. I had everything on it at the time. So, yeah. just painting sculptures and some of the performance stuff. And I had made a big golden crown at that point, which is still one of the better things I think I've ever made. And um, what was that made out of? So that was out of gold medal, uh, which is just brass sheeting. Okay. And it was the one where I and where I was kind of looking at the Salinas character and was looking at him as this like kind of performance character and had just started doing the big install stuff. Uh, or no, I did that for my grad school, and then I had just done another one. Um, so yeah, and, and then well, it must they they must have seen the ceramics because I remember that was the first show. Okay. In their project space, and it was the ceramics, and then. Two years later, we had our second show, which was drawings and photographs and bead pieces and ceramics and all that kind of stuff. I guess all the things really got started in grad school and the things that stuck and are still here are the the, the beaded self-portraits, the metal, gold metal working, which is now kind of transferred over to silver, uh, ceramic sculpture, and performance, <laughs> still a lot of things, and then installation, uh, and wow, See, this is what, that's a lot of, yeah, that's, that's why I love well, you. I B- didn't lose anything after grad school, <laughs> so I didn't have doing it all, apparently.
0: <laughs> I think you threw it all in the wall, and then you took it off the wall, and kept on doing
1: it, <laughs> and I kept on doing it, and just, just maybe started, so I guess I just kept on doing it, maybe really what after grad school for me has been, is like, how do I refine each one of those things so that it's not just like, I do, I mean, so that everything I'm doing has some kind of a, not a formula, but I almost think about like guide rails of like, mm-hmm. you know, I know it's gotta be Well, the interesting thing of, is, is
0: that they're, they, I mean, that's why I love following you on Instagram because there's so much eye candy and it's, <laughs> yeah. but but the thing is you can always tell it's you. Which is really interesting yeah. that it's all there's so many different mediums, and you know, but I always can recognize that it's you, which is I think maybe the thing of the pulling it all in, you know, like tightening it all up so that no matter the medium, yeah. it still very much feels like you
1: yeah, and that's a struggle, I mean, yeah, I think so that's been the struggle, you know, just because there's so many things in how, and how and and each one taking their their Um, One of the things that I'm really terrified about in the studio is being bored or being burnt out on something. So I think switching through all these things um, really helps me keep interested. And it helps, like if I was only making the Golden Flowers, I would get burnt out so quick because they have such a kind of tedious, certain kind of labor. Mm. But if I stop doing that and I do performance stuff and I do some ceramics which are all kind of very different feeling than around always around February March I'm like ooh, it's winter I'm walked up I want to make some flowers you know and then mm. I, and I really kind of crave that type do of you way have a bunch of stuff going on at the same time so that you can kind of move between or do you do something finish it and then go on to a different do something finish it and then go on oh, yeah, okay. it has to be one step at a time that way but I'm always kind of thinking about the next thing or maybe kind of sourcing materials for the next thing while I'm building something else. So, but, right. but the actual building and like, yeah, I, I, I'm learning this a lot in teaching and it, it really has to be like, I'm doing this, I'm finishing, it's done. Okay, move to the next thing, <laughs> you know? Right, and, and, yeah. And I'll try to have all my pieces ready, but I'm not really thinking hard about it. I'm just like, oh, that might be nice. If I'm thinking about doing that, I should probably start. I, yeah. Like right now, one of my things that's rattling around in my head is, um, cut crystal is incredibly, incredibly out of fashion. So you can buy it super cheap. So I've been going to all these auctions, just buying all these lead crystal things. And, and at some point I want to make them into like a chandelier, I think. Oh my God. But I don't know what it's going to look like. So I, right now I'm just kind of absentmindedly whenever I see lead crystal, you know, I'll see it, but then hopefully either I'll get a free spot in my schedule or lightning will strike and it'll, you know, and I'll be like, Oh, here it is. And then I know I have this lead crystal ready to go. Right. Um, So
0: is your studio filled
1: with stuff? (laughs) It's not as bad as it could be. Uh, (laughs) um, There's a lot of stuff and it's funny. Yeah. My parents, God, I, I, I guess I knew the day would come and, just didn't really properly plan for it, but they are finally at the age where we're like, we're selling our big house with our barn and all this, attic and all that you know all this were just full of my stuff because every time I like personally my collection is not I mean now it's huge but you know I'm moving every three years and so every time I move I put a little bit in the attic put a little bit in the attic put a little bit in the barn and so there was a really kind of traumatic stressful period about three months ago where they were like what are we gonna do with all this and I was like I don't know (laughs) but it was it was also I mean my dad I think realized that he's just as guilty as I am because he had so much stuff to get rid of too (laughs) so uh, Did you yeah, actually get lot... rid of
0: stuff, or did you just move it somewhere else?
1: Right now, we moved it somewhere else. Okay. Some stuff did get thrown away. We we're gonna move soon to another house in the area, and I, oh my God, I can't, I can't even. I'm not even mentally. Again, <laughs> let's not. Let's again, not talk about it. Next month thing. I have okay. a couple more things. On my...
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. Okay. We won't know, talk it, about it. But, but you I know it's a... go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, just I don't know. You know, I, I've been doing a lot of artist talks and. Um, the collecting is really a part of the practice, and I, I think I've worked consciously and subconsciously very hard to make sure that it becomes a very important part of the practice. It's maybe kind of a mental defense against my family and other people. So when they're like, Why do you have all this stuff? and I'm like, Oh, you know, they come together in the practice all these different ways, you know, <laughs> um, but also. Uh, the thrifting and the buying of things I think also is just a really important tool for stoking the fire of just like, I love objects. Objects are amazing. Look at this object from my, how many years ago? That's amazing. <laughs> you know, you know, and it survived. And um, that is
0: my studio right now. I am a thrift shop junkie and I've always done paper collage. So I would always buy books and things like that. But now my work's getting way more sculptural because I realized like I if I'm feeling stuck or down or whatever, the first place I go is a thrift shop Mm -hmm. and just like wandering around. And it's like, it's like being in a treasure box, you know? And um, I just was collecting things for joy. And then I thought, why am I not incorporating any of this into my art? I was keeping them very separate. And so now my studio looks like a thrift shop. (laughs) It is filled with like ceramics and fake flowers and old jewelry. And I love, it almost smells like old ladies down there. Like it's, you know, it smells like old perfume and mothballs and I love it.
1: (laughs) Well, literally just yesterday. Well, so I'm, I'm, my position here at, at the University of Arkansas is ending like officially over this week. Um, which is fine. It, it it was always known that it was going to be three years. So so it's not been like a traumatic last minute, like, oh, now I've got to get all this stuff. So I've known I had to get all my stuff out. And I, the last year I've had my own studio, but this week we finally got everything out of the other studio into my current studio. And it actually was not as bad as I thought. You can still walk around. It's still it's fine. We had, <laughs> we had to like rearrange and organize and stuff. But um, one of the people who was helping me was just like, you know, you really ought to just own a thrift store and just make it part of the practice and, and all this kind of stuff. And I was just like, it's on the list. As soon as I get the time, <laughs> and I figure, like, I, I mean, I think it's one of my my things on my to do list for the year is to get uh, a stall at an antique store here. And start oh yeah. Trying to sell back the stuff or whatever. I don't
0: know. Yeah. Would you be able to sell it? Half the stuff I'd be like, "Well, you can't have this." No, I'd set up a store, and then I wouldn't let
1: anybody buy anything. It would be terrible. God. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I guess you'll find I, out. I, I understand the question. I, yeah. I think we'll find out. I mean, there there are things that that I think I'll try and have with me my whole life, and I think there are other things that I'm like, you know, we had a we had a we had a great good time. run, yeah. <laughs> time I'm to say goodbye basket. It was great 2000 summer you know and this is how i remember things yeah you and me summer 2018 we were inseparable but now it's 2021 and i'm in love with this thing now and yeah it's, neat, so. it's
0: over you've got to go
1: <laughs> it's not, i mean i'll i'll try to find you a good home it's not <laughs> like you
0: know yeah no no hard feelings it's, it's it's me it's not you um so where are you guys moving then where are you going next
1: uh we're we're um we're just moving houses and then kind of just moving, okay. um, we're, we're moving to another town, but it's, it's just 40 minutes away. Like, so Northwest Arkansas is a really interesting, I, don't, I guess we're in a kind of a valley or something. I'm not exactly sure what about the topography makes it this way, but Fayetteville is on one end and Bentonville Rogers is on the north end. And then in between those two things are just like probably 10 smaller towns that all say their same name, but it all just kind of runs together. So all together, it's an area of maybe 100, 150,000. But if you were to ask anybody from the town, they'd be like, oh, no, it's a small town because there's only 70,000 here. All right. Anyway, so uh, so we're, so we're moving to the other side of the valley because it's just where we could find a house. Because
0: Okay. Are you going to keep the- teaching somewhere else or are you going to take a
1: teaching break? <laughs> uh, it's, I, I, I'm hoping to kind of take a teaching break. I, I, I enjoy teaching, but I, I, at least these days, I think I'm maybe a little bit better suited in my studio. Um, but I, I kind of just luckily, happily stumbled into an adjunct teaching job that's part of a residency that I'm doing at another college in Arkansas, about two hours away called Hendrix College. And, um, it's just I don't know, because it seems like in the South, like every state kind of has one or, or a couple very prestigious, smaller, private liberal arts universities, and this one is Arkansas's kind of most well-known. Mm. And they just built a brand new big art complex. It's also a dorm, so I'm doing a solo show there. And kind of as part of it, I'm teaching a class and, and doing kind of a residency thing there. Wow, so, when is, when's that? That starts next semester. And then the oh, show okay. itself will be in January 2022. Um, I'm behind on getting them drawings, for that actually. So that's what I'll be doing when I get done here. Um, and then I just have a ton of shows. So I've got a solo coming up at Gavlak and Palm Beach in June. Oh, I love and, them. Yeah, I think and, that and, maybe is how I fa- maybe that's how I found you. Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I love I, I, their roster is insane. So I'm very yeah. I mean, they've got Viola Fry, which is pretty pretty amazing to be showing the same place as her. Um, When, sorry, when is that show? But that's in June, June 9th. Uh, And then in October, November uh, is a solo with Mindy Solomon. So a lot of Florida going on. And then in January, I have this solo show um, at the university. Um, And then it seems like we have a break. There's like a, I think there's a residency that I'm doing in Denver uh, in the summer, or not Denver, um, Boulder. Mm. Um, and, um, and then in the fall, I've got, it's time for me to have another show at conduit. So,
0: okay. Uh, wow. That's to, from subway and living with your parents. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, it's amazing. I love that. Cause I had, I had that time too, of living in the parents' basement and, you know, I was working as my dad's receptionist cause nobody else would hire me except my dad and just feeling like, I guess art school was pointless and I will never make art again, you know? And it's so, I love that you didn't give up on yourself, that you knew that your work was good enough, you know, and that you kept pushing. Well, and I just,
1: I don't know. This sounds a little, maybe too morbid, but it just, it felt to me like it was like, either I'll make it as an artist and just be homeless or whatever, or, or I'll, I'll just disappear somehow like because yeah. I I just couldn't see myself I I guess art for me and making it is so connected to my mental health that there didn't seem an option without it right and, and I guess that was also kind of a thing about you know it was a belief in the work and I thought it was good and, and it's nice to know that I guess I was somewhat right but um also I don't know it just you know I come back to it saying there's an art, an, a California artist, um, legend, uh, Beth Kavner-Stitcher who teaches at, uh, UC. Oh gosh. Not Berkeley, but near there. UC Santa Cruz. Okay. And she's either still working there. Or she might just have retired. I can't remember, but anyway, she's you know, strong female artist, been doing it for forever. Like, legendary teacher a lot of really famous she's worked with famous people and a lot of famous people have come up from under her and when I was in grad school we took a road trip down to go visit her a group of us and she said all all the grands that we have here oh no I remember how it started so we were going around the group and we were introducing ourselves and she got to this person uh, who was an undergrad at the time who was a good artist but she was also like in these crazy high level math classes like you know oh. like when math starts to become like jazz or whatever yeah. <laughs> and uh and she go and so she goes hi my name's chloe you know i'm doubling in, in art and i'm also double majoring in math and without a beat beth goes just do the math do the math and she and she go and it was kind of was what she goes all the people here who are migrants, they're here because they have no other options. This is what they have to do. If you have another option that you think you can follow, go do it because this is so hard and so weird and such a like, weird, shitty business to be in. And I don't know why. I just like that really kind of struck a chord because I was like, oh, yeah, I'm one of those. Like, I don't, I don't have another option. <laughs> so. Yeah and I just never really seen it was like I don't I mean maybe I could have been a historian there were there was a time period in there where my dad was like go take a welding course and be a welder which i don't know I I liked the like, the idea of learning how to weld but I was like I'm never going to be the one out in the oil field yeah tapes. no so, like, you're
0: so. like I'll I'll solder and make really crazy jewelry yeah, how about well, that yeah, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um can we before i let you go cuz i've had you for yeah. so long but i really so I didn't realize that your jewelry started so long ago because I've just been seeing big crazy rings popping up on your Instagram lately. Have you been doing a lot of that lately,
1: or have you always? Yeah. Well, so here's so so then when I got the so I kind of put the jewelry away because the ceramics and other stuff was doing really well and 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 I had made jewelry stuff kind of throughout here and there um, and the galleries never really wanted to touch it because it's it's a different market or something and then. In the last two years, I started, two things happened. The first thing is, is I never thought I could work in silver because I didn't think the solder that I was working with all these years would work. And I didn't know how to step up to another level. Hmm. So then finally, when I had the teaching job, I had the money to say, like, let me buy some silver. It's not as expensive as I thought. I have the money. Let me buy it. And then I found out that the solder that I've been using all this time works wonderful with silver. So then that opened this whole other, suddenly... Something about me being able to make it out of silver, which was semi-precious, in my mind, and I don't know if in other people's minds, really kind of elevated it up in my mind to another thing. And then, and then I was kind of looking around, and I'm always, I think, in my in my own way, trying to be smart about when I move forward into something. Can I find something that seems unpopular. So, uh, you know, so that when I can go into it, it'll be open and I can feel kind of my punk spirit coming out again. I was just going to say, I think that's the yeah, punk and, you coming yeah, back. It's coming back from undergrad. And so I can still keep my punk cred. And also the field will be open and it'll be free and I can do whatever I want. And that's why I got into decorative arts. And so I was looking around and clay had, had just had its moment and textiles is having a moment. And I was like, what's the one guy, who's the one person in the room who hasn't gotten much love that I can remember? And it was studio jewelry. And I was like, oh, so the timing is right. So I just think about a year or two ago, I just said, you know, I have the money, the timing is right, the joy is here. I really enjoy making them. And I think that's when my dad, being a dentist and that little tiny stuff, like I yes. him in me at that moment. And I just said I'm going to really, really seriously try to focus on that. And so that's what I've been doing this year. Like, like it's not just a side project. It's 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 here. And I'm my goal now is to figure out how to make it. I don't want to be a sculptor who makes fun jewelry. Sometimes isn't it cute? He's so brave. I want him. I want him to be like. I don't know what to call you because everything's the same level. What do you you know? <laughs> right. Like, I, you know.
0: Well, I, when I saw them, I totally thought they were sculptures that you could wear. That's what it looked like to me like you know
1: well I mean that's good I mean because it's it's also just I don't know it's also kind of fun because it's like I I don't know if I I mean I think they're good they're a joy for them to make it's funny and and I'm like also kind of where I made some stuff last year I guess also the fun thing about doing something new and getting really into it is there's a lot of joy when I make something and I feel like it's progressed better than the thing before it yeah and that's been happening a lot in the jewelry because it's so new like I'm learning this I'm learning that every time I do something I learn to set a stone better I learn to do this better I get a better tool Um, and so now I'm going back to the things I made last year and remaking them like this is thing I remade because they already look kind of crappy compared to the stuff I'm making now so anyway so that's just where I'm kind of in that thing where I'm like and also, it's it's kind of unique because I, I think we're going to show them at Mindy Solomon Show. November. I was just going to ask if you're going to show them. I am going to show them, but I've been kind of actively not selling them because I want them. I just want to build a big group of them and then all be good and then, and then kind of release them and be like, yeah. hey, I'm ready.
0: How, but, how will you, do you know how you'll display that? Like, will you display them as art objects? <sighs> <laughs> so,
1: was that too hard of a question? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, you know, podiums are just always, I hate them. The only person I know, and I, she came and talked to Arkansas one day, and I just, like, she gave a talk, and I was, it was Arlene Setchett, and I was just like, you're the only person I know that does good podiums. <laughs> How do you do them? And I think she, she just is like, the whole thing is, she just thinks of them all together, but. Right. So I'm, I, you know, I, I don't know who else, I guess. I just saw um a a Diana Hadid show and she also does the same thing where the podium is part of the work and those right. two those two women are are the only people I know currently who are <laughs> who are nailing the podium game in a serious way. Well, so, I know what you mean about like um I think it's our thrift
0: shop love too is I love collections of things. Like the the and it's probably the baroque thing too, just the excess of it. You know, like just like there's too much of it so if you just had one ring that's one thing but you have a whole bunch there it's yeah. it's that treasure hunt again right you know and there's so much to see in each one but then there's yeah. so many that it's like just like again eye candy and so I totally hear you like I can completely picture and if you had them each on individual podiums you don't have that same yeah
1: treasure hunt or something the only thing I really feel like, when I keep thinking about how they're gonna look, it's a little bit fuzzy, but in my mind, they're always behind a glass case. Because mm. like that's... It just adds to their aura of
0: like... Yeah, oh, yeah, and their specialness.
1: I can't even touch them though, oh, yeah. But...
0: I've been doing a few things lately under, um, and it was just kind of a happy accident, but um, are they called cloches? Clo- you know those glass like um, domes? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: I think it's a cloche. cloche?
0: <laughs> um you know like a bell jar thing and um I just had a couple from something else and so I was working on these pieces and I was like oh these are gonna get dust on them they're gonna get like how do I protect this and and then I was just like oh hey and I put the glass dome over it and suddenly they feel so much more precious like oh god they need to be under glass but they don't really need to be it's just sort of a mental game and I was like Okay, so then I ordered a whole bunch more. Because yeah. I, there's just something neat about them having to be, yeah, behind glass and suddenly they became way more precious because
1: you can't touch them. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. it's funny, I have I have a big giant handmade bell jar that's like this big. Oh. Uh, one time I did this, I was, long story, but I was trying to assist somebody doing a residency at Pilgrimage Art School. And I really, I think, Overstretch myself and my skills and things that I had to offer <laughs> but anyways the one thing that did come out of it is because I was in this position I got a spot at the glory hole and I don't know how to blow glass at all so I just went around and I said well anybody I'll pay you but I have this spot can y'all make something for me I, I just want to buy a, a giant bell jar and there were people here you know who were just like oh well, you know it's so hard to get a spot there that they were just like I'll make it for you just to like use the time there and get the practice right. so anyways they made me this giant bell jar and I still I have tried it several times and it's never quite worked for me so oh. <laughs> in my studio and I don't know what it is but um but yeah it's, it's just, just waiting it's
0: yeah. waiting for its moment whatever that it's moment waiting. might be
1: yeah but I remember it's funny you say that by the cloche again back to Jack Stoney my my teacher I think he taught me this really important lesson about context which I think is what you know those things are yeah he he made this piece that was basically a perfect scale model of an ocean with a little tiny boat in it. Mm-hmm. And all the whales were, all the waves were very, you know, and it was like cast in cow dung and something. Like, I don't know, it's got some thing. And so it was very flat sitting on a podium and it just didn't work and it didn't work and he couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. And then he put it in a tureen and suddenly it worked. you know and and that he told me that story and i saw it and i could see how that worked and i never and i think that also really rung bells with the baroque with me about like it's not the object it's every it's the object and everything yeah (laughs) yeah
0: yeah and i think that's what i've been talking a lot lately about time and patience and experimenting and that's why i loved what you were saying about your mfa is that you took that two years to just try everything. And some of it came with you. Well, it sounds like a lot of it came with you, but you know, (laughs) some of it gets left behind and um, that's why I love like just having all this junk in my studio and just trying stuff. And very often I'll just spend a day down there just moving stuff around just moving, 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 moving. And sometimes I'm like, it's a eureka moment. And sometimes it's like, nope. And it just all, all goes back to the pile on the floor. And But I think giving yourself that time and space to play around and move stuff around and try the big giant bell jar on something and go, nope, back into the storage you go. And I think there's it's so valuable just to play, you know?
1: Yeah, it is valuable. It's sometimes I find in, My struggle now is finding that time to play. Well, yeah, you sound pretty busy. (laughs) (laughs) It's, yeah, I was just talking to a friend because I have assistants helping me kind of move through. And I I think I'm going to be moving into a phase uh, where I won't have them so much. Um, Because they really came in as just a way of to make it work that I could teach and and still be making work. But um, I was talking to another friend about it. And she was like, so I had this person. And she's volunteering time for my friend to work. And she's so great but I'm in this thing where I just need to like find something new to make and I can't do it when she's in the studio because I just need to sit around right whatever. yeah yeah so anyways you, you know you but I think also this multimedia stuff is anyways basically now I, I just I just my assistants I go you go make the clay stuff so I have time to make jewelry so right it's really just kind of like that stuff so I'm I'm still finding time but you're right it's just if you got to keep the joy. I guess that's one thing that, I, that I, I've I not been when I was teaching the person who's on top of all the theory, but I, I did feel that I was the one who was going like, okay, tell me what you really like about what you're doing. Did yeah. you, what did you enjoy doing about it? What about the process did you enjoy? What is giving you joy right now? Because one day you may be super successful and you may not have time to dream and figure out what is right. And the faster you can understand what gives you joy and what Keeps you going and what, and what, you know, work that begets work, the better you'll be leading out of here. Because if not, you'll get lost and you'll get downtrodden and you'll quit. So <laughs> I just like, I'm always, it's like, where are we at emotionally? Because if you lose the joy, then the practice, the whole practice always in my mind seems not far behind. Mm-hmm. That is literally the most beautiful and perfect
0: place to end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to send everybody who's listening off to go and find their joy and you know the first place they could go and look actually is your instagram feed because that is filled with joy um (laughs) thank you so much anthony for coming and sharing all of that and um i'm very proud that this is your first podcast i'm feeling like I've I've done something great for the art world here by getting this whole story documented. Um, but thank you so, so much. And I'm going to do a great big post on my site so that people can see all of this work. And I'll put all that info for all the upcoming shows so that people can go and see where all of that is happening. And hopefully soon we'll all be able to do it in person without masks.
1: Oh, know. Wouldn't that I, be nice? <laughs> I wear the mask, but I do not like the mask.
0: Yeah, I know. I I, I'm really uh, looking forward to this being in the rearview mirror. Yeah.
1: Well, I just want to say thank you so much for even though you didn't know me taking the chance. And um, this is a big time of change for me. So I it's been a real joy to kind of have the opportunity to go, oh yeah, let me talk all the way from the beginning because I haven't done that in a while.
0: Yeah, so. no, it's great. And I, I think it's so there's so much value in it for everybody because you really are having a moment right now, which is so exciting. But like, thank you for telling us about Subway because yeah. so many people just think, you know if you don't hear those parts of the story, then you question yourself when you're living in your parents' basement or whatever. It's so nice to go. I'm not giving up. You know, Mm -hmm. I just, I I was just saying, um, I had my mom on the podcast last week for Mother's Day. And I said, you know, I quit for a long time. But the thing is, I want to be an artist. And if I want to be an artist, that means I need to make art no matter what, no matter what's going on, no matter where I'm working, no matter where I'm living, if I want to be an artist, I have to make art. And
1: you are um, proof. And it's really
0: inspiring.
1: And all you need is an apartment that has a dining area that as long as I've ever owned an apartment, it was never ever used as a dining area.
0: Yeah, exactly. Eat on your couch, make art (laughs) on the the table. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. And I'm going to keep an eye on your Instagram and see what you're up to. All right, thanks so much, thanks for having me. Okay, bye wasn't that great. No need to be shy. There are so many takeaways from this episode, but I think my favourite bits were A, eating on the couch and working on a tiny table because hello, we've all made art on our kitchen tables. The other thing I loved was the fact that he ended up working at Subway post MFA. (laughs) That is the reality for so many people and it is not failure, unless of course you just quit making art. I am thrilled that Anthony kept going. I am, however, quite disappointed in myself for not playing the sandwich artist card. That's what Subway calls their employees. Sandwich artists. How did I miss that opportunity? Damn it. It was right there. Oh, oh, and another bit that I missed. A few days after we recorded, I saw a post on Anthony's Instagram feed that I wish we had talked about. Sarah Ball, who is one of my favorite painters, painted Anthony for her latest series. Well, at least I snuck that into the outro. Now I have an excuse to pop it into the full post that's sitting over on my site, thejawscurator.com, as we speak. Thank you so much to Anthony for making Art for Your Ear his very first podcast interview ever. I'm very honored. And huge thanks to you for listening. And as I've mentioned before, also big thanks going out to the Colu Podcast Network for having me in their roster of creative podcasts. Thanks again for listening. There will be more art for your ear next weekend. See you then.